Welcome to episode 3 of the Underground Christians. Let's do a quick recap of where we've gotten. In episode 1, we covered truth and lies, how we look for pattern changes and recent pattern changes in order to indicate that something might be wrong, something might be not going quite the way that it should be. In episode 2, we talked about some biblical warnings, deceptions, lies, traps. When we accept empty words of deception, we partner with evil, Ephesians 5. We talked about truth and what truth is. Truth is rooted in Jesus and the Bible. It's unchangeable. It creates points of reference that we can compare things to. That's how we know what is true and what is not. It says in Deuteronomy 5.32, You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. In Deuteronomy 28.14, it says, And do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left. It's saying the Bible is the standard of truth. Don't deviate from it because then you're not going to be standing in truth. It repeats the same commandment over and over. In Joshua 1.7, it says, Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Of course, that was talking about the pending invasion of the promised land by the Israelites. In 2 Kings 22.2, he did right in the sight of the Lord, nor did he turn aside to the right or the left. Finally, in Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. That's what evil does. It tries to turn you away from the Lord, the Word of God, the Bible, because that's where flexibility comes in. So the Bible is there to be our anchor. It's there to anchor our perceptions. It's there to anchor our evaluations of what's going on in the world around us. We talked about attributes of our enemy, Satan, and his followers. The main attributes being lies and deceptions. That's the the number one attribute that characterizes Satan and those who follow Satan. They lie all the time. They camouflage things. They disguise things so that we can't see them. They infiltrate organizations so that they assume positions of power and authority and prestige so that people will not know who they are. They're treacherous. That is a characteristic of Satan and those who follow him. So Jesus told us in Matthew 7.20, you will know them by their fruits. You will not know them by their words. He didn't say that. I added that. But that was the implication. You will not know them by their words. You will know them by their fruits, by what they produce. You won't know them by the way they look, or the way they talk, or the way they dress, or the cars that they drive. You're going to know them by the things that they produce. There are four applications here for Christians. Number one, we don't hide who we are. A lamp is not hidden. We have fruit too, and we do not hide that fruit. We put that fruit out for the world to see, because we are to be a lamp shining in a dark world. We discern, 1 Kings 3.9, that we may discern between good and evil, particularly when those things are camouflaged. We stand for righteousness, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. Psalm 5.12, righteousness is a right standing before God. It's doing the things that please God. That's what we're always trying to achieve. And we stand against evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, Proverbs 8.13. So we are here as Christians to take a stand against the evil things of the world. And finally, in Revelation 18.23, we went over this cryptic message about great merchants and great men and pharmacological deceptions in the end times. That's where we left off. So today, we're going to pick it up. And this is the last time we're going to go over the pandemic. But this is a very important topic right now because it has a great deal of implications for all Christians everywhere in the entire world. 
We have other things to get to, but we need to cover this one more time. You have heard me talk about the pandemic. I think it's time that we hear about some other people who are being censored, people who are not being allowed to speak openly, people who are losing their jobs and their careers when they decide to speak openly about the things that they see. These are actually scientists and doctors who are involved with all this. Truth dies in censorship. All tyrannies deploy censorship because they have to, because all tyrannies are tools of Satan, so they all lie, they all deceive, they all steal, and they all kill. That's the nature of a tyranny. We don't want to be living in a tyranny. America's not supposed to be that. Now, I'm a scientist, but I'm not a biologist. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a virologist. I'm not a statistician, and I don't deal with the analysis of medical and research data. But there are lots of people who do. So it's time to hear what the pharmacological companies, Big Pharma, and the great merchants of the earth, the billionaires with their censoring media empires, and the great men of the earth, the politicians, it's time to hear what they don't want you to hear. Christians are commanded not to be deceived. And to avoid deception, we have to hear both sides. That's why we don't go to jury deliberation after the prosecution ends its opening statement. We let the defense state its case too. Why do we care about this? What's done is done, right? We've gotten our injections or we haven't. It's too late. Well, that's wrong. We fight for God, which means we fight for truth. Regardless of any past decisions, we stand against and we oppose evil. Even if we've stumbled before, we recognize what evil might be. Especially if we've stumbled into its trap. We still must stand up and fight for evil because we fight for others. We fight for ourselves. We fight for God. We fight for others. We're a team. We listen closely to the words of God and we apply those words. I'm going to read one more thing from Ezekiel in this case chapter 33, because it has a little bit of implication here. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword against a land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning, and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head, since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but didn't heed the warning. Their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Once we know the truth, we're accountable to God, and we have to warn others. We have to speak out. That's why these medical professionals and scientists are speaking out. Well, most of them are Christians. The commandment came from Jesus himself. It's his most famous commandment in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I, when Jesus says I, he's talking about the Trinity. He declared himself to be God in John 8:58 when he told the Pharisees, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
then they knew very well what that meant. The phrase I am is a phrase used by God in Genesis. They knew what he was saying. He was declaring himself God. So when he says, obey everything I have commanded you, what does that mean? It includes the commandments of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What are these commandments? They're the words of the Bible. That includes the words of Ezekiel 33. We are therefore commanded to warn others when we see something happening that is threatening to them. So that's enough of me. Let's hear from the others. Let's hear what these people have to say. We're going to start out with Carrie Madej. Dr. Madej is originally from Dearborn, Michigan and received her medical degree from Kansas City University of Medical Biosciences in 2001. She served as an attending physician for the Pennsylvania College of Osteopathic Medicine, the Georgia campus, where she mentored students in the clinical applications of internal medicine for eight years. She served as a private clinician in medical doctor clinics in Georgia and recently moved to the Dominican Republic to do charity work in telemedicine. In this interview, and we're going to go in date order, so this dates back to March 18th, Dr. Madej explains the theory of the vaccine and how it actually works. She identifies an ingredient in the vaccine as hydrogel and explains what it does and what it can be used for. She also talks about a patent of Bill Gates, numbered 2020-060606. That's an interesting patent. So Dr. Madej, now these are partial interviews. These are not the entire interviews. There are so many people. So many interviews that you can listen to if you go on BitChute and other platforms in order to find these videos, that you can listen to them yourselves. This is just a very small sampling of the number of people and the number of interviews and information that's available to anybody who really wants to go find it. So let's hear what Dr. Madej has to say. Well, this is completely experimental on the human race. Uh, just know that we have never unveiled this before on humanity and that everybody who accepts this kind of injection is actually agreeing to be in a stage four research experiment. You literally are the guinea pig and the lab rat. You will be counted toward all of the experiments. Uh, the first one that will be done will be the end of 2022. So again, this is an experiment. We don't know really what will happen to you until years go by. So why they're doing such a different kind of vaccine is that um, they never identified or they don't have the entire virus on file. The CDC doesn't have it and five other countries at least don't have it on file. And so if we don't have the entire organism on file, they can't take that organism and put it in the vaccine and then inject it into you. They had to do it a different way because we only had pieces of genetic material that they found. So they took pieces of genetic material they found in some lung fluid of some sick people that had the COVID-19. They assumed that genetic material, material is what made people sick. There's some missing blanks in the genetic material. So then they took a computer program and the artificial intelligence filled in the missing blanks. So then they put a code inside of a nanotechnology, a nanolipid particle envelope, and now they're going to put that in the solution, and that's what's injected inside of a human. And the idea is that this code or this envelope that's nanotechnology will trick your immune system and trick your cell into accepting it, 
And then you will be making that code inside of your body. You will literally be making part of this virus that's been created in the lab into your body. <laughs> now, this has never happened in the history of humanity before. And as you can imagine, there's no start or stop. We don't know how long you'll be making these parts of this genetic material in your body and what will happen to you. We have some ideas right now what can happen to you, but this is unbelievable that we're experimenting on people because, again, we have something synthetic inside the, the human body, something not from nature. Well, hydrogel was developed and invented by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and it has multiple uses. Um, and it's been used primarily uh, looking at human use. So in essence, we're looking at something that can be ejected or inhaled in the body, and it's uh, microscopic little nanobots. That's the most simplistic way to put it. So they can do multiple things. One of them is on-demand drug delivery system, and that's how they're using it with Pfizer and Moderna to deliver this kind of drug into the body. So that's why they're using their hydrogel. That's what they're telling us. But very important to know that they can also be used for something called a biosensor and gather biometric data from the human body. I found this out from meetings that I attended here in Atlanta, Georgia. So a biosensor, let me tell you what that would do. It's going to um, look at anything in your body that's like your blood pressure, your heart rate. They can even look at things like your emotions and thoughts. It can know if you're lying by the electrodermal, the sweat glands on your, your palm. It knows by your voice inflection if you're lying. And also just because of your location, right, your GPS will, will, will be known as well. There also knows what kind of medications are in your body or if you're drinking alcohol or if you're taking illicit drugs. These biosensors can accumulate all of that data 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in your, in your human body. And they can actually be wirelessly transmitted to any smart device around you, let's say a television your phone, someone else's phone, a street light, right? So again, this is constant surveillance, constant monitoring. So we could use it for something good, maybe um, maybe if you're diabetic and your blood sugar is low, or we could maybe use it for something more ominous, just for complete surveillance, complete control over somebody, right? And so this is my fear and this is my worry is that somebody's going to take this substance in the body and it's not just for on-demand drug delivery. They could also, well, it's in the body anyway. Let's go ahead and just see what's going on in you, right? Just, oh, you know, maybe it's contact tracing and then maybe one more step further. And, well, maybe we don't want people to lie so much. So we should see who's lying, maybe like a pre-crime or precognition kind of thing like the minority report. If you don't think this is possible, you're wrong. We can do it. So my fear is who's stopping these people? Who's putting the checks and balances? Who's monitoring what they're doing? Because we know that they would like to do that to us. We have a patent, that's the 2020-060606, Bill and Melinda Gates, Microsoft. They want to use this hydrogel, this nanolipid particle, they want to use it inside of us to monitor all of our, our data, and then based on that data, they'll decide if we're a good human or a bad human, and then they'll give us cryptocurrency. And if you don't know that patent, you should look it up. So how would they get the stuff inside of us? Voila, here comes the magic vaccine or the gene modification injection. Oh, you got to get it. And, you know, to me, that's really the end game of this whole fiasco 
It's about how do, you, how do we get this substance inside of a human so that we can always monitor them, always know what's, there, what's going on. I mean, that's how you literally <clears throat> ultimately control a society, right? And monetize off them and profit off them, right? I mean, right. it's it's a perfect excuse to do something that's the great reset, the new world order. So at the end of that clip, Dr. Midday brings in the new world order, the great reset that we've heard from Klaus Schwab and others. These are the globalists who envision an entirely different type of a world from the one that we live in today. We haven't gotten into the New World Order. We haven't gotten into the Great Reset. We haven't gotten into Klaus Schwab and the World Health Organization. These are important topics, but we're going to stick with just this aspect of the vaccine today. So next up is Dr. Robert Malone, who received his MD from Northwestern University and Harvard Medical School as a clinical research postgraduate. He has a specialty in pathology from UC Davis. Dr. Malone is an interesting person because he specializes in clinical research, medical affairs, regulatory affairs, vaccines, and biodefense. Well, at the Salk Institute in 1988, he discovered in vitro and in vivio RNA transfection technology and invented the mRNA vaccine. He holds numerous domestic and foreign patents in the fields of gene delivery, delivery formulations, and vaccines, and has close to 100 peer-reviewed publications and published abstracts, and over 11,000 citations of his peer-reviewed publications. So I think that qualifies him to speak a little bit about this topic. It's no wonder that the mainstream media have heavily censored his comments and unleashed the nameless, faceless fact-checkers to smear him. So let's listen to a little bit of his interview with Del Bigtree from The High Wire from 6.25, from June 25th, just a little over a month ago. Now, I just want to say that The High Wire with Del Bigtree is doing great work on this topic. This is just a small clip from a much longer interview, and I encourage you to go over to the High Wire because this is a great website with great information that's kept up to date. In this particular portion of this interview, he is reporting on some of the concerns that he has expressed. He's already expressed these concerns to authorities about the unfolding of this new untested vaccine on humans and on animals and the world population and the effects that it can have on people. So let's hear what Dr. Malone has to say about the vaccine. As part of my work, my business, I have network of uh, colleagues and friends that I trust and they trust me throughout the government because a lot of what I do is government work. And that includes people in senior positions at, this, at the um, uh, Food and Drug Administration. Uh, we were, a small group of us were meeting every other week on Fridays and having a Zoom call and going over issues. And as this came to fore uh, with the spike, uh, and I was very aware of, of the biology of spike because it relates to one of the repurposed drugs that we're working with. And I told them, um, this isn't just an antigen. This is a biologically active protein, and it has effects like modulating immune response and other things. And uh, it's being treated as if it's just an antigen, and it's not. These uh, viruses pack all kinds of functional properties into their proteins and their genes because they have to have a very small, compact genome. It's just the nature of uh, RNA virus biology. 
So spike isn't just a antigen, it's a biologically active protein that does more than just bind ACE2, uh, the receptor that is yeah. used by the virus to infect cells. And so I, I alerted them and I said, hey guys, are you aware of the implications of what's being done here? And I sent them the manuscripts and my colleagues were uh, sufficiently uh, aware and, and you know cognizant of, of the argument. And so they forwarded it to others within the agency, within the Center for Biologic Evaluation well, Research. What was the timeline the right now? Talking, when, when was this that you had made um, September last year. So September of last year, and just to be clear again, just for my audience, what we're talking about is the spike protein, which is just one of the proteins on the surface of this virus. It happens to be what, what grabs onto the ACE2, or to ACE2. So the idea being, if we target a vaccine to just go after that instead of the whole virus, the usual way we make a virus, let's go after the weakest part of the virus maybe, and then if we kill that or stop that ability to connect, then we can sort of harness and stop this virus. But the problem you're talking about that you are expressing if I'm correct, is that the spike protein, which we now are seeing, has its own properties of being toxic and dangerous. So therefore, it's not just like a key that they thought sort of unlocks a door. It actually is a weapon and, and has its own effect on the body. And if we're making a vaccine just around this spike protein, we're going to send a toxic element, not just an, an antigen, not just something that's somewhat harmless and all it does is open up the ACE2. We're talking about something that could very well be what's leading to the blood clots, all the strokes and the issues that we're seeing. Yeah, and, and the data are increasingly supporting that. Um, but so you said ACE, this all the way back in September. I want to make that clear to everyone. The FDA yeah. then and, is aware and, of this, okay. And I kind of, blew, they blew me off. Um, I said, uh, we don't see that as a problem and we're going to proceed and we're not going to worry about it, uh, basically. Okay. Uh, so they they didn't think that the documentation around that was sufficient. Now, since I, I sent in that with some of the papers that we were focused on, additional work came out. So there was a, a study with uh, cultured uh, human uh, brain-like structures that we call organoids. This is the kind of the brave new world from stem cells and everything else that we're using so that we don't have to burn so many mice and so that we can model things that are more like humans without having to test them in humans. Mm -hmm. So brain organoid study uh, peer-reviewed showed that ACE, that I'm sorry, spike opens a blood-brain barrier in that model. Then there was a mouse model that shows that it opens blood-brain barrier. Then there were other studies that confirmed that. Then there was the press release from our friends at the Salk Institute with data that showed that uh, um, uh, spike is directly cytotoxic. Uh, now, I've been fact-checked by PolitiFact and our friends at Reuters, well, and they both that said that <laughs> I'm, this is false. This is false information I'm giving out, and uh, they, they gaslighted me um, uh, good and hard. Uh, but uh, fortunately, um, uh, I'm a scientist that doesn't say things just out of the blue because I feel like it or I think that it's the right thing to say. I say things because there's data behind it. And so I was immediately able to flip the multiple peer-reviewed publications and call them out. Of course, uh, that in, in the modern world, uh, being mainstream media means you never have to say I'm sorry um, or retract anything. Uh, so, so just very you know, quickly, was, why uh, would it matter for, for people watching? Why does it matter that the spike gets through the blood-brain barrier? Why, isn't that what we want it to do? It's not just that it gets through it. it it's that it opens it. 
Um, so what he's talking about, or we're talking about the blood-brain barrier, you can think of as kind of a bunch of little interdigitating fingers between cells, tight junctions, and uh, structures behind them that function as kind of a filter. And the brain is a special place. I think most humans can agree with that. And we really don't want to have bad stuff getting in there because right. it's kind of what makes us human. Um, and uh, so opening up the blood-brain barrier means that things that are in your blood, like, say, other viruses, um, uh, the toxins, um, all kinds of stuff that normally is sequestered so it can never get into the brain compartment, it suddenly is able to do that. That's bad, and it can cause inflammation and all kinds of things, and the fluid shifts that occur can cause um, changes in mental status, you know, potentially can cause things like brain fog. Um, as a personal long hauler who's survived COVID, uh, I, I know brain fog well. Um, and uh, in fact, some people that receive vaccine complain of brain fog after vaccination. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say how often because the databases are not good, but it happens. So there's a lot of, and they, some people get after vaccination neuropathy um, that's, uh, you know, numbness or other things. Um, and so the, the things that we know that native spike does seem to overlap with some of the symptoms both of COVID and of uh, this uh, post-COVID genetic vaccine syndrome that some people report. Um, so uh, this is uh, one of those, it uh, looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, um, but, you know, I can't say it's a duck. Um, However, and I'm criticized for saying that this could be happening uh, with the vaccines uh, because uh, the um, pe many people assert that uh, the NIH and others that engineered these spikes for use in these vaccines engineered them so that they would be safe and they wouldn't be toxic. Well, that's a little bit circular because at the time they were denying that they were toxic. Right. Um, so why would they engineer them to be safe? What they did was they engineered spikes so that it's locked into an open confirmation. The seminal event for me was when Trial Site News asked me to evaluate the Pfizer data package and the European Medicines Agency assessment letter that they publish normally. So the one was FOIA, the other is uh, normal disclosure. And uh, I encountered, and, and I worked through those, and it was clear to me that this wasn't right. Then. There was the uh, Dr. Bridal um, mm -hmm. uh, response and assessment uh, from Canada. I was on a phone call with the Canadian physician that told me about what he was experiencing and how the government was just summarily dismissing his, uh, claim, his uh, posting to the government database of adverse events that his patients were encountering. And he told me about how the government and these, there's whole cadre of self-appointed academic police that attack physicians and scientists that say anything about this. Um, I don't get that, except for I was an academia and I know how that culture works and it's a little twisted. Um, but I saw all these things coming together. I saw all the suppression of information and communication. I saw the safety signals. I saw the you know misrepresentation about how the vaccine had been characterized in the Pfizer case. Um, I saw the uh, New England, uh, the Harvard and Brigham and Women's Nurses Study, and it just came to me that um, we'd ripped a, reached a tipping point. 
I suddenly found myself in a position where people were looking to me and I was being able to say things on LinkedIn and social media that other people were being censored for. I think it was because of my CV and these past contributions and uh, people, uh, perhaps the censors felt that I had enough legitimacy that they were going to think twice before they just automatically whacked me. Um, there's a bunch of worrying things. I'm seeing my fellow physicians just being hammered if they even start talking about it. And so I started speaking up. The type of censorship that Dr. Malone is talking about is experienced not just here in the United States, but around the world. Canada is under severe persecution of anybody who speaks out. Britain, one of the hotbeds of the activity associated with the rollout of the vaccine, is another location where if you are a doctor and you speak out against the vaccine, you take your career into your hands, and maybe more than that. So there is a doctor who goes by the label of Dr. T. She's a UK physician. Now, she's not identifying herself because of obvious persecution that's taking place over there. She doesn't want to make it really easy for them to identify who she is. On June 11th, she made a statement that she put out on uh, the internet in order to warn people about the things that she's seeing in her practice. She reveals evidence of an undisclosed ingredient in the vaccine. Now, this particular problem that she's talking about has been confirmed around the world by many doctors and by many individuals who actually run these tests. This clip comes from Not on the Beeb, which is an alternative news site in Britain that's really concerned about the entire COVID response and particularly this vaccine. It's an alternative to the state-sanctioned media that's you know prevalent in uh, Great Britain. So let's hear what Dr. T has to say. This is a short clip. On top of the multiple different side effects that are coming up to do with the, all the different COVID-19 vaccinations, a new side effect is coming into the light. This side effect is extremely serious, even though at this stage, it's not directly linked to death, unlike some of the others. But the reason this one is so serious is this points to an undisclosed ingredient. And that doesn't just mean that everybody who has taken the vaccine has been lied to and deceived, but we as healthcare professionals have been deceived as well. What I'm talking about here is this discovery from the bottom up that's happened from patients discovering that they are magnetic and I know that a lot of people think this is so crazy, there's nothing in the vaccine ingredients that could make people magnetic. I agree, there is nothing listed on the vaccine ingredient list that would make people magnetic. But I have seen it and I have felt it with my own eyes and hands. This is real and I'm not the only one, it's all around the world test over the injection site, also chest, test on the upper chest, and also test by the bridge of the nose. Skipping ahead now to July 5th, 
Dr. Jane Ruby broke big news regarding the contents of the vaccines that or perhaps have something to do with what Dr. T was talking about back on June 11th. She did this on the Stu Peters Show, another great source for cutting-edge news and information that you're not going to hear on CNN or any of the major new news networks. Stu Peters is doing great work, and I would encourage you, if you want to be updated on the latest news that is not censored by the cabal of news outlets that you go and you check out his website. Dr. Ruby, she's a health economist and a national news investigator and commentator. In this particular story, she breaks the news from European researchers who analyze the contents of the Pfizer vaccine, which you might think would have been done or would be done by independent contractors all around the world, that people would be interested in knowing what's actually in these vaccines. But until recently, nobody did that work. That's sort of a normal thing that goes on with most vaccines, but apparently I'm not on this one. So she is reporting on the first group that's actually analyzed the contents of the vaccine. Let's hear what uh, Dr. Jane Ruby has to tell us. We now have the English translated version. It's been verified by a number of sources that it is the closest translation we can get. And I've read through it. I, I based my career on reading scientific papers, uh, studies, interim analyses, things like this in, in pharmaceutical drug development. If these researchers follow through, and I believe they will, with another 100 vials, which I believe uh, they already have completed, they just haven't put the entire report together. From their preliminary report, the group is called La Quinta uh, Columna, the fifth column, and they are associated with the University of Almeria. But what they did was they got a Pfizer vial. They had, a, they had a, someone in law enforcement uh, who is, is willing to step forward and verify the chain of custody. It was a sealed vial with Pfizer markings on it with a lot number. I'm gonna read to you, it had um, an expiration date of August of 2021. They followed the instructions to dilute it appropriately into six doses from that vial. And Stu, here's the shocking information. It, when, they, when they examined it, and you've already heard that they examined it under regular microscope and electron microscope, and they came up with those really ugly pictures of those bulbous uh, pictures with the black mesh uh, intertwined. Um, here's the ratio of what they found in those vials in each dose. Each dose, Stu, the RNA, there was RNA material in there. And it was at the amount of, and don't worry about the metrics, the, the, the measure units, because I'm gonna, the, it's the ratio that's important. Out of each dose, there were six nanograms per UL of RNA. Do you know how much graphene oxide was in there? 747 nanograms. Do the math, my friends. That is a percentage of 99.99103%. It's virtually 99.99% graphene oxide. It has particular affinity for creating acute inflammation of the lungs. Um, it, it, it creates in, an inflammatory storm in cardiac tissue and in brain tissue. Sue, this is gonna tie directly to strokes, to the heart attacks, and we're giving this to pregnant mothers and babies this is this is really something everybody's got to start paying attention to. Okay, so I, I have a question. I, I'm just a lay guy over here. You're the expert. Graphene oxide is it a poison? 
It is most definitely a poison. Okay, it and these people have found, industrial. these Spanish researchers have found that over 99% of the Pfizer vaccine is graphene oxide. Is that right? That is correct. So Dr. Ruby broke this story that the contents, the majority, the vast majority of the contents of this vaccine contain a substance that is a toxin, a known toxin that's being injected into uh, people's bodies. Now, this was, of course, fact-checked immediately and told to be incorrect. It has since then been confirmed by other organizations, and there are now many organizations that are actively investigating what this substance is and what its purpose is. And it has different purposes, or at least there are different people who are hypothesizing about what the different purposes of it might be. And one of those people is Karen Kingston. She was also interviewed on the Stu Peters show. Ms. Kingston is a former Pfizer employee and a, an analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, and she's also a whistleblower now. Now, as we were taught by the House of Representatives during their prosecution of Trump during the impeachment hearings, all whistleblowers are to be you know, venerated and upheld with the utmost dignity and honor. So we do that here. Unlike the secret military officer whistleblower who claimed that he overheard something that President Trump said but was too terrified to reveal his identity, this whistleblower is actually willing to go public and put her name and photograph on the execution block for public scrutiny. This is a substantial part of the interview that Stu Peters had with her. I'm playing it not in its entirety, but a large portion of it because she has a lot to say and, and it's important and it's well presented. So I think it's worth listening. This will be the last clip and then we'll wrap this episode up. We want to know what to believe, so today we're going to get the confirmation that we need. It's hard to fact check documents. It's hard to fact check publicly discoverable proprietary ingredients. It's hard to fact check Karen Kingston. She is a former Pfizer employee, currently an analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries. Karen, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your bravery. We admire your desire to expose the truth behind what appears to be, to me at least, one of the most, if not the most evil agenda mankind has ever been subject to. Well, thank you for giving me a platform to, to share my findings and to, and to spread the, the truth. And you're right, it is extremely difficult to find this information and, and link it together. Um, I do have a unique set of skills. This is what I do in, in the industry. I analyze intellectual property, the legal landscape for both uh, physicians, pharma, and consumers. And then I'm also a scientific writer and do the clinical analysis as well. So um, you can't expect everyone to have that skill set to find this information. Right. And the truth is, I'm, I, um, you know, the whole do your own research was born out of the out of the reality that the mainstream media has been lying to us and big tech and social media have been blocking the truth. And that's why people have had to do their own research. Um, and that's, um, that's that violates our, our, our First Amendment. Yeah. So, so let, just lay it out there. Is graphene oxide in these shots? 100% it is, and it's irrefutable. And, and, I'll, and I'll walk you through it. So um, what's really important to know is that the all, all of the mRNA vaccines contain what's called a pegylated uh, lipid nanoparticle. Um, and that's what we're going to go through. So if you take a look at the Moderna patent, it says right there that this contains um, a lipid nanoparticle formulation. And as you go through the patent, which I'll show you, they specifically talk about various ingredients and, and various um, pegylated formulations that have um, alphanumeric codes. And then you can also find them in the filings with the FDA, with the IND and phase three trials for both Moderna and Pfizer. 
Uh, and you can also find them, you know, across the pond with the UK filings. I hope that's making sense so far. Yeah, so far. So, so here's the important thing about the patent. I read the patent. It's 193 pages plus uh, attachments. And I read the patent to look for graphene oxide. It is not listed in the patent because it is a trade secret. So you remember Bill Gates saying that there was a trade secret? Yes. Trade secrets are not, you know, purview to the public. So they cannot be in the patent. So graphene oxide is not listed in the patent and it lists everything but that. But I'm still gonna show you evidence that these contain graphene oxide and the patent in China that shows they contain graphene oxide. So let me, let me just ask you, why would they put every other ingredient on the patent with the exception of the standalone graphene oxide? Why would they not put that on there? Um, the, I would say the number one reason is because it's uh, poisonous to humans and well known that it's poisonous to humans. Okay. Right. Yeah, and the other reason is because it is the main ingredient in hydrogel, um, which is the the liquid, um, you know, AI template that's used for some of Elon Musk's, you know, research and, and Bill Gates as far as that creating um, an interface between humans and, um, you know, the internet. So there is a legitimate theory that these shots are actually designed to create some sort of connectivity between humans, 5G, whatever this is, controlling your thoughts, your memories, all of these things. I mean, those are realistic and plausible possibilities. That's not possible with this round. They rush this thing out. They're just seeing, you know, how much they can put into people before they die, I think, honestly. So this is a dose finding study, basically oh, yeah. a live dose finding study, and those that are, dying or multiple sclerosis, Guillain-Barre, these tremors, the magnetism, all these things. Well, remember, we're supposed to get boosters every six months. So we're going to get graphene oxide boosters every six months to see how much we can build up in the system. We'll go through this because when you see the nations that are being injected, we're the guinea pigs, you know, and so once they perfect this technology, I think there's a, a, a second plan. I, I actually am not super comfortable talking about this stuff because I, I don't like to give opinions on things, you know, and hypothesize. So I'd rather just Understood. stick to the data if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you take a look at uh, chemical and engineering news, um, there's these non-peer-reviewed journals, we call them RADs in the industry. Every industry has it. And it's basically, you know, the whales of the industry, the who's who, and they just kind of brag about what they're doing. Um, so this article talks about the pegylated lipid nanoparticles that are in all the COVID-19 vaccines. And there's four lipids and I'm, I'll go over this. So the first lipid is cholesterol. Um, and that's um, our body loves, loves cholesterol, it makes it go through the blood. Then there's a phospholipid. The phospholipid adheres to the cell membrane, so that allows permeability to enter the cell membrane. There's an ionizable lipid, so that gives it a positive ionic charge to help penetrate the mRNA to get into the cell. And then there's the pegylated lipid. And so the reason why they created these is because mRNA is very unstable, whether it's synthetic or zoonic, which means it's from an animal, um, you know, or human, it, it, it's very unstable. Uh, 80 degree weather kills it, sunlight kills it. If you breathe on it, it dies. I mean, and, they, and the researchers all say this, it, it's just, it, it, it rarely gets past the nasopharynx area of any healthy individual. It's just, you know, your saliva kills it. It just, it, it cannot survive on its own. So it needed this kind of biosphere that they created for it. And that's why we have these four, um, these four lipids and then they put the graphene oxide. Now what's interesting about the graphene oxide is that it's 4,000 times stronger than titanium and can withstand 1,700 degree Fahrenheit temperature. So we took this very unstable virus, single helix virus, and we made it indestructible, or we, they made it indestructible. 
Um, so the pegylated lipids, if you take a look, uh, it's PEG, P-E-G. They're made by a company called Sinopeg, which is S-N-O, you know, P-E-G, and they're located in China. Now, how did I find this out? Well, if you take a look at the um, Pfizer EUA filing, they list the four lipids. They have two lipids, each of which have four lipids in them in there. And so does Moderna. And Moderna's is called, the, it's called a material safety data sheet. This is what they use in industrial products. Um, and it has a CAS number and there's this SM102 for Moderna. And then if you go to Pfizer's filing with the UK, the number, the, the two lipids that are in there are called ALC0315 and ALC0159. So when I Googled MSDS CAS, don't ask how I know all this information, and I put in some of those numbers, I found Sinopeg. I didn't find Sinopeg by Googling Sinopeg. I literally put in the MSDS number. And so if you go to the website, you'll see the, you know, extremely long, like, I don't know, 100 alphanumeric name of each of these lipids. Um, and you'll see it under a, a, um, a tab called COVID-19 excipients. Uh, and it says poly polyethylene glycol PEG 2000, right? And then here you'll see it's ALC0159, and this company is located in China. Um, and then if you pull from the patent, from the Moderna patent, they list out all the different um, polyethylene glycol 200, PEG 200, PEG 2000, and you will find those listed under the COVID-19 excipients in Sinopec. Um, so it, it's right there. It's being manufactured in China. And so there's other vaccines that are mRNA vaccines that are not being sold in the United States. You can find those excipients here too um, by the CAS number, the material safety data sheet CAS number. Um, and so if you want to know what is graphene, you know, what they explain here on Cinepeg is it is the core shell structured polyethylene glycol functionalized graphene for energy storage polymer, polymer dielectrics, combined mechanical and dielectric performances. So what that means is that graphene is um, a, a conductor, it can be, can be a conductor of electricity. If it has a positive charge, and, and this is in all the, some of the studies from the NIH and Moderna and stuff, if graphene gets a positive charge, it annihilates anything it comes in contact with. Right now, they're not charged, they're neutralized. You're like, well, how does it have a positive charge to get into the cell? That's that other lipid, that ionizable lipid that gives it the positive charge for cell penetration. But these currently are not, um, they're neutral. They have a neutral field. Um, but if they are, if there is an electromagnetic field that activates a positive charge, um, potentially there will, we, there will be damage and potentially death depending on where these nanoparticles ended up in people's bodies and how much of them did. So it's so, apparent to me that they're lying to the world. Uh, they're trying yeah. to hide this. This is the, the secret ingredient. Uh, lead stories, USA Today, all these other publications fact-checking this program. It appears to me that they are out and out lying. We're going to get to who's in on all of this in a minute because I'm going to ask you, but why are they using this graphene oxide? It's a toxic substance. It's poisonous. Why, would, why are they using it? Um, be, because it's a great conductor of elect, of electricity, and it, it's a it, it can it can host a magnetic field, so it, it can literally it, it, it can connect you to the internet. That's okay. why. All right, I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on that because I know that you're not comfortable opining opinions, things like that. I just want to make sure factually that that's that's what uh, it can do. That's what it's capable of doing. Yeah, so, and I mean, I I haven't had the chance, but I I could probably go into some tech 
publications and AI publications, and, and we can find more information on how graphene oxide is a great. Um, well, the bottom line is it's poisonous. It's poisonous. It, it's, poisonous. It, it, it annihilates if it has a positive charge. It annihilates anything that it comes into contact with. It's toxic for humans. It should not be in there, and it is. That that is what I needed to know. Who's behind this? That's what I'd like to know. Who's behind all of this? Um, well, the, I don't. So, if, um, hold on. This I didn't put this in here, but the there's a company called Shanghai Nanotech, and they filed a patent, and you can for graphene oxide for the use in COVID nineteen excipients. Um, and um, this is a meeting of them at their their headquarters, and that looks like I think his name's Tails Axe, the the chief technology officer for Moderna. Mm -hmm. um, and if you go to the World Health Organization website, there is a um, page where they talk about um, how the global world needs to work together on these COVID-19 vaccines. It's from sometime last year, and you'll see the usual suspects there. You'll see like Peter Daznak and and the, the names from Moderna and um, several names from the NIH and NIAID. So uh, there is a large group of uh, billionaires and uh, millionaires many, many, time, many times over that have coordinated um, for the uh, development and execution um, of, of these products. So you knowing this, you bringing this, this confirmation, why would the, I guess, I mean, this is opinion, so you, you just tell me if you're not comfortable answering this, but I gotta ask, why would people like President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Sean Hannity, what do they have in, in what stake in the game do they have? How do they not know this stuff? They have, I mean, if no, there's no way they could know this stuff. I, I, I want to be. Um, when I uh, sorry, when I found out, when I read this information, I, I didn't know um, a woman could cry as hard as I cried. So um, I sent an email out on on May 26 to about 30 outlets with this information. I sent an email summarizing it. These are bioweapons. Um, I even spoke to, and I, I don't mean to be disparaging to anybody. I even spoke to American frontline doctors and stuff. And after I spoke to them. You know, some of the doctors still went on saying, well, as long as you're, you know, if you're over under 30, you shouldn't get the vaccines. And I called them up. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? These are bioweapons. Like, we can't say that. So the cognitive dissonance of the depravity and the evil of these of these vac injections um, is is very difficult for anyone to understand. And you have to also understand that for the whole year and a half these were being developed. Um, anyone that came out and said, hey, this, this virus isn't that bad, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, they were ostracized, doctors were threatened to have their license taken away, so the truth couldn't get out there. And then when people, anyone that was questioning about the speed of bringing these vaccines to market, the need for them, even the FDA documents, they talk about, hey, we don't think someone under 18 should get these things, we're worried about viral shedding. The here, if you show this slide here, the the the, the manufacturing section of the of the application is redacted. Right, no one in good conscience should have approved this, but there is such brainwashing going on, such control of what um, basically the big tech wanted us to know as the truth, which was a bunch of lies that. It, it's very difficult then for when someone says to you, "This is what's going on," to believe it. I, I would compare it to anyone that's been in a marriage where they had a spouse that was cheating on them. Your friends can tell you they're cheating. There's tons of evidence, but you are not going to believe it. You're not going to believe all your trusted all your trusted advisors have been telling you this stuff is safe. Everything on the media says it's safe. Every, you know, and then someone says, "No, it's actually lethal," and this is a planned you know planned genocide. 
it's impossible to believe. Wow. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a hard time. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm a human, you know? Um, and so just knowing people that have subjected themselves to this inoculation, knowing how hard, how difficult it is to have a conversation with somebody doing what I do, downloading to my brain terabytes of information every single day, trying to determine what's real, what's not, what's missing, what's disinformation, who's deep state, who's trying to throw me off, who's controlled opposition. You know, I mean, it really, it, it happens. It sounds like some kind of a sci-fi movie, but you're living in it so you understand. I'm just trying to process all this as you're saying it. And I, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, people in the media, you know, I'm imagining, you know, the, the people that they don't understand that there are billions of lives at stake, or maybe they do, which makes it even worse because they're complicit in this. They're part of this, the carrying on of this. And then I think about everybody who's gonna be mandated these shots. Um, Listen, I, I, Karen, I, I got an email this morning. I got an email this morning from a very concerned mother of a, of a young woman who is going to be attending a Christian college in South Carolina. And they're going to mandate this thing for her. 18-year-old young woman with her entire life ahead of her. And she's just one of millions of stories like this that are happening here in this country. What we're doing to our young people, poisoning them. Uh, and so then you've got healthcare workers. I mean, I've, I have a dozen emails in the last 48 hours from nurses, healthcare workers, doctors, people who are working at these facilities, in these clinics, at these hospitals that are going to be mandated this. They don't want to do it. They need help. Um, and, you know, the DOJ is telling everybody that, that they can do this, that governors can mandate this, that businesses can mandate this. And so... Well, the DOJ, just because someone says something, and especially in this current administration, doesn't make it true, okay? The, the DOJ can say, we recommend this is mandated. We're saying that this is, this. we mandate these vaccines, but I, you know, it's a memo. I read the memo, okay? It's a memo that was written by Don Johnson. Um, she's the acting assistant attorney general to the president saying that, um, you know, under t t Title Code 21, Section 564, you, uh, you know, you can, man you know, private companies and local governments can mandate uh, the vaccines under emergency use authorization. Her interpretation is reckless and it has no merit. So it's just an opinion. It is not enforceable, period. You know, and on top of that, what's, what's happened with these vaccines or these injections, these EU injections, not only is all the campaign and the propaganda a bunch of lies to terrify people into getting injected you know which is a violation uh, of human rights in and of itself on top of that you know she hasn't mentioned title code 21 in her memo which is what this falls under because they violated four other sections of that title code under under drug safety drug and vaccine safety if they have um, under section 502, it's false and misleading labeling because this thing is not a vaccine. There is no benefit to your health when you get injected. The only thing it can do is poison, harm, and kill. So there's false and misleading labeling. It doesn't tell you that it contains graphene oxide. Adulterated drugs and devices, it also violates section 5001, which again, adulterated drugs and devices is if it includes a toxin, which is the graphene oxide. Um, it also violates section 312.23 under initial new drug application. So if you go through an IND, you have to prove safety in animals before you, before you move on to humans. They signed a letter of intent for pregnant rats. 
if that doesn't make you furious and we're injecting pregnant women and under the IND it says if there is shedding if there is um, a risk to people of childbearing age then you need to stop the trial we know there is shedding we know there is risk to childbearing age and the FDA even talks about it in their protein therapy and oncolytic virus their treatments that shedding is a real thing and you need to do animal studies first then you need to do phase one human studies and if there is um, uh, you know, if there is shedding, then you need to come up with control measures so that you don't infect the uninjected, which is what's going on right now. They also violated section 131242, which is clinical research holds and requests for modifications. So that says if any of these things I said, and there's at least three dozen, you need to stop the trials. Trials have been stopped when 25 people die, when six beagle dogs die. They were supposed to stop the trials when they did the mice study and all the mice, 80% died in, in uh, 24 hours and the rest died by the end of the week. But there that's is no threshold here, the is trials. there? I mean, they should have stopped the trials at the... That's the bottom line. There is no threshold, is there? There is no right. threshold. It doesn't matter how many people die, they will continue this incessant push, won't they? That until, until American people speak up and say enough is enough, stop it, they will keep pushing us until... You know, they basically wipe out America. When she says they, who is she referring to? Well, she's referring to the organizations that are actively engaged in trying to take down America. And they have openly admitted that they're trying to take down America. There are three main organizations that are trying to do this. Two are more successful than the third. The first are the globalists. Those are the fascists, the, the new fascists from Europe, fascism not in the sense of Nazism, but fascism in the sense of a union of the big business and government working together in order to impose a tyrannical system on the rest of society. That's essentially what fascism is. Then there are the communists. Those are the ones out of China. Communism is not fascism. It doesn't recognize uh, the legitimacy of private ownership, although China has changed that model a little bit. They still have top-down control. Essentially, the state grants permission for people to own property. They don't actually own it because they have any kind of rights that we might think of in the United States. It simply is a privilege granted by the ruling class, which are the communists in China. So they have a different system. They are also in competition with the United States and have openly stated their intent to bring us down. By the way, the globalists, they want to bring us down. They are the UN people or the UN is kind of playing both teams here. They're going with both the fascists and the communists, depending upon the way the wind is blowing, apparently. But however, the globalists are more working through the United Nations than China. And then the third team in the background that haven't really reared their head yet are the Islamists. They're also a tyrannical group. They believe in the tyranny of Islam. They want worldwide domination, just like the other two groups. They want to bring the whole world to the tenets of Islam. So those are the three groups today that are seeking world domination. And of course, Satan wants somebody to be a world dominator because A, the Bible says that has to happen in the end times, and B, he wants to beat Christ to that goal. Jesus is going to be the first true worldwide leader, but Satan wants that title for himself. So he's trying to get his guy put in place in order to rule the world before Jesus can come back and do it. The world has never been united. The first time it will truly be united under a single world government will be under Jesus Christ. Not under Satan's man, but he's going to give it a good go.
So the three people, the three organizations currently competing for that title all need to bring the United States down. We stand in their way. That's why their activities are directed against the United States. So that's a different issue. Those are, those are different concerns. We might get into that later on. But for today, these have been a, a very tiny sampling of the vast and growing opposition that's being systematically censored and suppressed from making their cases in public. Censorship is never for the public good. Censorship is not what science is about. It's not what America is about. We stand for free and open discussions of scientific data and opinions so that we can evaluate where the truth lies. The enemy is, first and foremost, a liar. Anyone caught lying about matters of great importance should be counted by a Christian in the enemy's camp. The enemy is a destroyer, and the first thing that his people want to do is to destroy something. And in America, they're, they're seeking to destroy free speech because it's through free speech that truth is revealed. So why am I going on about this topic? Because as a watchman, I'm adding my small voice to the growing cacophony of voices yelling as loudly as they can to get people's attention. If you've already received the vaccine, I encourage you to think a lot before going out and getting the booster shot that they're surely going to tell you that you have to have in order to be safe. We can't just sit back and say, well, God will take care of things and God will protect me. There's no biblical basis to believe that he's going to rescue any of us from our own impulsive, rash decisions. He expects us to use discretion and discernment to make good decisions. To just rely on God and say he's going to take care of everything is to test God. And Jesus told us, don't test the Lord your God. Don't take God for granted. Don't just assume he's going to do things for you that you can do for yourself. Jesus asks us to be willing to face persecution and maybe even death for his name's sake. But he doesn't want us to increase the chances that we'll face either of these just because we make careless decisions. We're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's what he remanded his disciples. Wise. We're to be wise. We're to use information correctly. So, we might seem like we've identified our enemy here, but we've actually only revealed the advanced forces of the enemy. I'm talking about our human enemy that works on behalf of the spiritual enemy. The real enemy, the top-level human counterparts to the commanding spiritual enemy, is much more difficult to identify and a lot more surprising than you're going to believe. We can't fight the spiritual enemy effectively if we don't identify his human counterparts. Why? Because we will follow the deceptions of the human counterparts and thereby fall into the, one of the many traps that God over and over in the Bible has reminded us not to fall into or to watch out for. Fortunately, the allies of Satan can't resist leaving clues about who they are all over the place. They love to leave clues. It's just, and the reason they love to leave clues is because they know most people have no idea what, that they're staring at the clues in their face. They don't even know what they are. So it's their way of kind of laughing at the people that they're dominating. So next up, we're going to get some helpful ideas about how to recognize what those clues are. Meanwhile, get ready to face the inevitable anger and vengeance. It's almost certainly going to be directed at anyone who resists the desires of Satan, because that's what we're promised, isn't it? 
we're going to be persecuted for our beliefs. So if you're standing against Satan, if you're standing against the, the allies of Satan here on this earth, the emissaries of Satan, you're going to receive some flack. So if life is good and you're not receiving any flack, maybe you're not really confronting the forces of Satan on behalf of God. I'm not saying you're not. I'm saying something to think about. And certainly as the trap constricts, as the net closes around America, we're going to be faced more and more with having to face the fact that we have to make a stand at some point. That's not to put fear in people's hearts. It is to encourage you to think about these issues while there is still time to think about them because Jesus used the analogy of the nets and the fishermen for a reason. And God used that quote from the Bible that I spoke of a couple of weeks ago where it's a cruel net that closes around the fish because the fishermen that are controlling the net are cruel. They're, this isn't God's net. This is Satan's net. So that's what we're going to get into on the next episode. Uh, until then... Stand firm and stand for God.